Hey everybody, it's Kenny Luck and I'm joining you from a small but powerful space that God is using to reach hundreds of thousands of men around the world every month. I'm talking about the Everyman Broadcast Center. You know, we're closing out one of the wildest years of ministry that we've ever had and one of the best years that we've ever had. You see, just like you, there was a life that we expected to live this year and the things we expected to do in 2020, right? Then that gave way to the life God called us to live and some different things that God called us to do. Now, thankfully, the Everyman team was in a perfect position to seize both the global and the cultural moments to bring men together to deliver powerful and prophetic truths from God's word for such a time as this and grow the movement dangerous good men around the world. You know, we were setting records in every broadcast outreach category as men turned to God in these times. We broke a single day live stream record as over 10,000 men tuned in to hear a word from God in one live stream in our Corona Chronicle study. And single days like that began to add up and those single days turned into a single month record for the live stream audience. That record was shattered. We also had a single series record, the Corona Chronicles. That record was broken. And for every number, I want you to know that there's a life that was touched by God's spirit through God's word. We even got to add this year 66 new curriculums to our men's video library. Yep, another record. You see, our theme, for this season was Philippians 1.27, which says, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. So whether I see you or only hear about you in my absence, I'll know that you are standing firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for faith in the gospel. You see, through COVID, we stood firm with you as one for faith in Christ. Through a season of great division, we stood firm with you, unified under Jesus. When the family was getting attacked, we stood firm, not budging, fighting for the family. And through the fatigue and depletion and depression, we resolved to strengthen your walk. The hope and the promise of Jesus came to you every day, every week, every month and right now every man ministries needs you to stand with us here at the year end and give generously now what we believe here at every man is that one transformed man transforms many things hundreds of thousands of transformed men transform millions of things every day as they encounter Christ through the ministry of every man and they engage God's plan for their lives. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to simply click the donate link below and risk being dangerously generous. Why? So that we can continue to raise up and encourage men to become dangerous with goodness in the spirit of Christ. And in the process, those same men are gonna bring God's love and justice to women and children and a world waiting. So from the whole team at Everyman, 
at the end of the year. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity. Have an amazing holiday season. Good morning, men. How are you? Thank you for being here, and thank you for being part of the, uh, the Everyman Movement. My name is Jason Park, and I'm standing for Pastor Kenny Luck. Uh, it's always great to be here with you. For those of you who haven't heard from me before, uh, I'm a men's pastor at Crossline Church in Laguna Hills. That's my uh, that's my full-time job, but what I do during the daytime, actually, is I'm a, I'm a full-time police officer here in Orange County. And it is so great to be here with you, and my prayer is that uh, we get to grow in this time, and we get inspired uh, and motivated to be the men we're called to be. We are in week three of our series called A Force of Habit. We've been talking about habits for the last three weeks and that our habits, they, they're a projection of our, of our lifestyle. We get, we get known by the things we do and the things we do are the result of our habits. We've talked about how good habits are difficult to pick up um, and, and, and more easy to get rid of. And our, our bad habits, those seem to be easier to pick up and, and much harder to get rid of. But God certainly has an idea of how he wants our habits to be. He wants us to have good habits because God knows when we have good habits, it gives us it gives us reason, it gives us purpose, it gives us direction, and it, and it keeps us focused. Good habits keep us focused and they give us peace. And even amidst battle, when we can be focused in our habits, we can experience peace. But it's but it's a discipline, right? It's about being disciplined in the things that we do. The first scripture I want to reference here is Hebrews 12, 11 through 13. It reads, at the time, discipline isn't much fun. It is always feels like I'm going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely. For it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. So don't sit around on your hands. No more dragging your feet. Clear the path for long-distance runners so no one will trip and fall. So no one will step in a hole and sprain an ankle, help each other, and run for it. Paul is telling us he wants us to visualize what this looks like. When I visualize the prize at the end, it allows me to be disciplined in the moment. It causes me to have good habits in the moment. And those, those, those feelings I have about the end, it gives me hope. It gives me hope and those hopes, that's what shapes my habits. And those habits, they produce fruit. And that fruit feels good when I start to visualize what it's going to look like at the end. And that fruit, when it's worth it, when, when it's worth us seeking out that, we're easily in charge with forming good habits to make that happen. And those habits are what cause us to persevere when, when we fix our eyes on, on what that prize looks like. And the writer of Hebrews, a little earlier in chapter 12, he's talking about fixing our eyes upon Jesus. And when we fix our eyes upon Jesus, that's what allows us to, with perseverance, run the race set out before us. It's fixing our eyes upon Jesus in the smaller things, in the details, in the habits, because we have a prize in mind. Colin Powell says, if you're going to achieve excellence in the big things, you will develop the habit in the little matters. Excellence is not an exception. It's a prevailing attitude. Colin Powell is saying it's, it's a habit in the little things. When we focus 
on the little things, when we work hard on the little things, it's because that we're focusing more on the big things. I'm focusing here in the moment because I have my eyes on the prize at the end. You've heard me reference some of my experience in endurance athletics and be inspired by endurance athletes. And every great endurance athlete is able to do what they're doing because they visualize what that finish line looks like. But it's that focusing in the small things. 1 Timothy 4.10 reads, This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is a savior of all people, and particularly of all believers. So it's about habits, and God wants us to have good habits. God wants us to be um, resistant to bad habits and wants us to have good habits. And this week we're talking about the habit of listening and responding. As James would say, the habit of hearing and doing. It's really important that we remember that, that we want to listen and respond. Because if we're only listening but not responding, it's going in here it's coming into our brain, but it's not getting to our heart. It's got to come from our brain to our heart before it gets to our hands, before it gets to our habits. Ken Blanchard wrote a book called Lead Like Jesus, and he quotes in that book, says, when your heart and your head and your hands and habits are aligned, extraordinary levels of trust and productivity will result. We need to listen and respond. Listen and respond. But before we can listen, we need to, we need to put ourselves in the position of listening. We need to have, to have to have the right posture of listening. And when I was putting together the study, a movie came to mind immediately. And it's one of my favorite baseball movies, and it's called For the Love of the Game, starring Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner plays this character whose name is Billy Chappell. Billy Chappell is a pitcher, and he plays for the Detroit Tigers, and he's late into his career, perhaps pitching the last game that he will ever pitch, and he's on his way to be throwing a no-hitter. And he's thrown against the Yankees. He's in Yankee Stadium, and the camera flashes on Billy Chappell, and he's late into the game, and you can imagine just the insults that are being rained on him, the noise that's coming at this pitcher throwing against the Yankees. They flash a camera on this Yankees fan blowing one of those big Viking horns like you hear at Viking Stadium. Another fan is, is yelling at him that he's a bum. Another fan says, you, you couldn't pitch a tent. He's hearing insults being rained on family members he doesn't even know he has. He's being overwhelmed with this noise. And he knows that he has to focus. He has to focus on what he's doing. And in that moment, he steps on the mound and he says these words, clear the mechanism. Now, when he says clear the mechanisms, he's saying clear everything away. And his pitcher goes down and he's just focusing on the batter and the catcher. Now, that batter's name happens to be Mike. And he doesn't hear anything else. And right before he throws that pitch, he says, hello, Mike. He clears the mechanism. He puts himself in a position where he blocks out the noise so he could focus on what he needs to focus on. We need to block out the noise. Even right now, as you're listening to me talk, there's noise that's going on around you. There's noise 
There's, there's checklists in your brain. If you're watching this live, the stock market is, has been open for 15 or 20 minutes now, right? You're looking at your Zoom stock, trying to figure out if it's gonna bounce back up as we're locking back down. You have emails. You got work noise that are that's starting to come your way. You have other types of noise. You have financial noise. You have family noise. You have, you have temptations going off in your brain. You have all this noise that's going on around us. And it's noisier than ever right now. You got the noise of anxiety of all the things that are being projected onto us. The devil wants to inundate us with so much noise that it overwhelms us, that we don't hear anything. And we sure as heck don't hear from the peace that comes from the Bible, the peace that comes from God. He wants to be overwhelmed with that noise and he wants it to, to, to paralyze us. We need to put ourselves in a position, clear out the noise so that we can listen, so that we can listen to the things that we need to hear. Now, if you're following along with the handouts, and I recommend that you do, they're available on the website or available on the Facebook Live. But if not, you can follow along as well. So what am I listening to? First of all, I'm listening to his works. I'm listening to his works. I'm listening to his, his creation, the things that are around me all day long. Romans 1.20 says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been so clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Paul is saying that we're surrounded by creation, that it can be clearly seen that there is a creator. But we get so distracted from all the things that are around us that we forget to see that sometimes. Every morning, I go to my tent of meeting. Moses had his tent of meeting in the book of Exodus and I have mine. It just so happens that mine is parked out in front of a Starbucks facing Ortega Highway in the city of San Juan Capistrano. And when I position my car, I'm parked facing southeast. So the sun is gonna rise in the sort of this direction. And I'm there early in the morning, five or 5.30, it's dark out. And I go get my coffee and I sit in my car and I read my Bible. And as I'm reading my Bible, the sun comes up over the hills of San Juan Capistrano. It goes from dark to light. And I sit there and every morning, it's a great reminder to me that we have a creator. It's a great reminder to me that, that, that my creator created a new day for me. He created a new day and the scripture says, a new day that comes with, with new mercies. He created this new day and he, he allows me to, to rejoice in that day in spite of what that happens. We're surrounded by God's creation. We have this opportunity to go for a walk, to feel the crisp air and remind it, this is our creator. I was reminded of, of a story of, of God's creation that where it had a profound impact on my life. And I was visiting this couple in the hospital. Their name's Krista and Jorge and Krista was pregnant. She was pregnant with twins. That's about eight years ago. And she was in the hospital and I walked into the hospital and I was just going to say hello. And it was a high risk pregnancy. I wanted to spend time. I wanted to pray for them. And when I walked in, Krista had baby monitors on her stomach and they were um, monitoring the heartbeats of the babies. And at that point, it didn't sound like heartbeats to me. It sounded like a pinball machine, what was going off inside her stomach. For you Van Halen fans, this sounded like Alex Van Halen at the beginning of Hot for Teacher. You understand what I'm saying? It was chaos that's going on inside here. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, these two babies' hearts were beating in time. It sounded like one heartbeat. And it was so profound, the nurse inside there even looked over there to think, 
all of a sudden these two babies' heartbeats are beating at the same time. And I'm sitting back thinking, there are two human beings inside of one human being that a result of a married couple, two human beings having sex. And I'm thinking in my head, how can anybody possibly think that we don't have a creator? How can anybody possibly think that, that we have this, this creator, this great creator that has this intention in our lives? Psalms 19, one through six says, for the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They have no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like the bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run its course. It rises in one end of the heavens, makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived from its warmth. When we start to see creation, when we start to see the works of God, we start to appreciate the creator. We start to appreciate that he's an intentional creator, an intentional creator with a purpose for you and a purpose for me. We understand and appreciate that purpose that he has for our lives. John 10.10 says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life. When we listen to creation, we see our creator. We see its purpose in our life. We see his purpose in our life is to, to give us rich and satisfying life, and we should respond to that. We should listen to his work, and, and my response should be your next feeling, as I couldn't think of any other word, but amen. Amen that the sun comes up. Every, amen that we get reminded every day that his, his mercies are new. Amen we get reminded that we can say this is the day that the Lord has made and, and rejoice and be glad in it. But I'm listening to his works. Next, I'm listening to his word. I'm listening to his word. Psalm 19, 7 through 12 continues on here. It's the, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm and all are righteous. They are more precious than gold, more pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey that is from the honeycomb. By them, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. But who can discern their errors? Forgive my faults. And I underline some, some different words in this. It it's refreshing. It's trustworthy. It gives joy to the heart. It gives light to the eyes. It's more precious than gold. It's more sweeter than honey. That's the way that we should see God's word. That's the way we should see God's word in our lives and not as something else. You know, the biggest mistake that we can make is looking at this book and seeing it for being just a bunch of rules that we can't follow. Depending on the statistics, there's 600 and some odd commands in the Old Testament. There's a thousand some odd commands in the New Testament. And if we're not careful, you can just see this book as setting a standard that we are unable to attain. When in fact, in reality, that is not the case. When we listen to his word, not only do we see the standard that we can attain, we see the standard that we were designed to attain. We see the person that we're supposed to be. We see 
our DNA. We see the, the, the man that we are supposed to be. And that's what it should be to us. It should be something that we look forward to. It should be something that, that when we wake up in the morning, just like when coffee's brewing in the kitchen, the word of God is waiting for us. And honestly, when I sit here and I think about that, I think there's some of you out there that are listening right now. And when you look down at your Bible, it gives you some little anxiousness that it's a standard you can obtain. It's a standard you can obtain. It's a standard you were designed to obtain. My advice to you is you just got to spend a little more time in it. You got to be like Moses and go to your tent of meeting or go to your Starbucks or wherever you go and get away from the noise and spend some time in his word. Because when you spend time in his word, you start to take on the characteristics of the word. You start, to, you start to take on the characteristics of the red letters. When you're reading the red letters from the New Testament, you're reading about Jesus, you start to take on the, the characteristics of Jesus. It's like we, it soaks into us and it becomes part of us and it becomes part of our aroma, becomes part of our habits. And those habits get reflected in our lifestyle. And when we realize that that's what God's word is, we can put our hope in God's word. And what does hope do? Hope drives our habits. Psalm 130 to 5 says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I put my hope. We got to spend time in God's word. It needs to be a reflection in our life. It needs to be a reflection in our habits. So we need to listen to his word. And what is our response? Your next fill-in, here's my response is, let his word guide me. Let it actually guide my life. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. And this picture of it's thousands of years ago, this person's not carrying a rechargeable flashlight with 5,000 lumens. He's, he's carrying something close to a candle, a candle that's just barely lighting the the, the, the path in front of him, just enough for a step or two. But he's using that candle to help himself negotiate and navigate through his life. I was reminded of this last weekend. I was on a mountain bike ride. And we were in a, an area we weren't real familiar with. And we were trying to figure out what trail will take us to this desired location. And we honestly weren't sure how we were going to get there. And, and it's not like we were lost in the Serengeti. We were literally somewhere in San Clemente. But... We didn't know how to get there. And every time we'd come to an opportunity where we had to turn in one direction, we'd stop and we would pull out the map on our phone. And we'd make a decision based on that guide where should we, we should go. And we'd get to the next point where we had to make a decision on where we to change directions. And if it was necessary, we'd pull out the map and we would see where it would go, where we needed to go. Same thing with the Bible. It should be guiding us through our paths. It should be lighting our paths and helping us how to make decisions. It's the greatest map ever. And while you're on that path, while, while that path is lit, right? We have challenges. We have battles on that path. We, we encounter the enemy, the enemy prowling around like a lion. And what else is his word? His word is the only offensive weapon in the full armor of God. It's the sword of the spirit. And we battle with this while that we're on that path. So we need to listen to his word and we need to let his word guide us. Next, we need to listen to his spirit. We need to listen to his spirit. John 16, 12 through 15 says, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't handle them right now. But when the friend comes, 
the spirit of truth, he will take you by the hand and guide you into all truth there is. He won't draw attention to himself, but will make sense out of what is about to happen. And indeed, out of all that I have done and said, he will honor me. He will take from me and deliver it to you. Everything the Father has is also mine. That is why I said he takes from me and delivers to you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the third person in the Trinity, that God is in heaven, Jesus ascended into heaven, and he left his Holy Spirit. God is present with us. The Holy Spirit is right there. The Holy Spirit and all the power associated with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 1, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you are called, the riches of his glorious inheritance and the incomparably great power for those who believe. When we listen, when we listen and it comes here and it comes to our heart and the eyes of our heart are enlightened, we see the incomparably great power. We see the presence of the Holy Spirit and we get to experience his presence. But we got to listen. We got to listen to that. We got to quiet the noise. We got to quiet the noise, the, the clanging symbols that's going on all around us in order for us to listen to his spirit. And we hear his spirit when we spend time in the word. We hear his spirit when we pray. We hear his spirit when we spend time in fellowship with other believers. We hear his spirit while we worship. We need to quiet down the noise and listen. And like I said, so much noise. The, the challenges of the noise right now, the adversity that's associated with it, and some of that adversity is by design. Some of that adversity is preparing us to launch the next time of our life. Isaiah 30, 21 and 25 says, Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity... In the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way to walk. Walk in it. When we drown out the noise and we listen to the Holy Spirit, we know where to walk. And we walk with confidence. We walk with firm footing. Our light is well lit. The path is well lit. We know the direction that we're going on. We have good habits. That habits give us peace. It gives us direction and it gives us focus and it focuses that energy. And we're not wasting energy on all the noise that, that is unproductive in our lives. So we need to listen to his spirit. And my response to that is to stir up my confidence in his power and presence. Stir up my confidence in his power and presence. And I use the word stir up very specifically, because that's the same word that Paul said to Timothy, who said, you need to stir up the gifts that are within you. You need, you need to fan the flame. And there, that's, there's an action associated with that. And those things I just mentioned, your time in the word, your time in worship, your time in prayer, your time with fellowship, other believers, that's how we stir it up. We stir up. When we have enough opportunities to listen to the Spirit and see the fruit that results from the Spirit, we start to see the prize at the end. We start to see what it, what it all means. It gives us the context of everything. And that prize at the end, what does it do? It, it drives our habits in the beginning. Next, I need to listen to his body. I need to listen to his body, the body of believers. 1 Corinthians 12, 24 to 26 reads, But God has put together the body, giving great, greater honor to the parts that lacked, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, 
every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. These parts of the body, it, it gives us this picture of the connectivity of the body. And, and you can't be connected without being close proximity with the body and being, being close enough. When, when we're close enough with the body of believers, we know what's going on with them. Even, even in this time of, of social distancing, if you get within you know, about six feet of me and you pay close attention, you start to see when I'm a little bit stressed. You start to see when I'm a little bit slouched or tired. You start to hear the things that are being challenged for my life. And like this says that if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. When we are connected to the body, when we are connected to other believers, that when we're in, in close proximity with them, we allow to see the challenges associated with the body. And the response to that when I listen to the body, says, I listen for suffering. When I'm connected, when I'm in close proximity to the body of Christ, I can listen for the suffering. I can see um, the suffering of somebody who's sick right now and the challenges that that poses to their family. I, I see the challenges associated with, with financial difficulties and losing their job. I see financial challenges associated with their children. I see challenges associated with, with being lonely. I see the challenges of addiction. Every single one of those, there's names and faces attached to them. And they're just flashing in my brain right now because when I allow myself to listen, I can, I can hear the suffering. I can listen for it and I can respond to it. It's the way that we are designed. It says if one part suffers, every part suffers. And when we collectively take on the suffering, we suffer together. We're stronger together. We help raise each other up in that challenge. We need to listen to the body. And my response is, I need to listen for the suffering. Next, Phil in here says, I need to listen to his leaders. I need to listen to his leaders. God's leaders are our leaders. Leaders in your church, your small group leaders, the person who's, who's helping you to dis, dis, um, become a, a bigger, faster, stronger disciple for the Lord, those leaders in our life, we, we need to listen to. We, need to. we need to give them that authority that they have over us and listen. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be not an advantage to you saying, listen to your leaders. Coming from a paramilitary organization, that's really simple to me. I might have something that I think that I want to do, that I think we want to do in my organization, but I have somebody who's out, who outranks me. And I have no problem when they don't necessarily agree with what I say. Occasionally, I will sit down with, the, with my chief, with, with the sheriff, and we will walk in, we'll have a conversation about something we need to make a decision about. And he's great. He'll ask me what I think I should do. And I'll give him a couple of options. He'll even tell me the option, ask me the option that I think that we should do. And he agrees with me most of the time. And sometimes he doesn't. And when he doesn't agree with me, I say, Roger that. And I walk out of the office and I carry out the mission because he's my leader. And occasionally people ask me if that's frustrating to me. And I said, not at all. It's really simple. He's got four stars on his shoulder. I have one star on mine. There's a reason he's wearing four, and there's a reason why I'm wearing one. He's the leader, and I don't have any problem with that. I don't walk out feeling bad with it. I carry out the mission. He's the leader. He's the boss. 
The same thing is when we stand and we listen to the direction, the leaders from the pulpit. We, we stand and we listen to the person that's leading the Bible study. We stand and, and we listen to, to Pastor Kenny Luck give us direction on a weekly basis. We need to listen to our leaders. We need to, to grant them the authority in our lives to tell us what we need to do. Because it says right here, it says, for they keep watch over your souls. They keep watch over your souls. I love and respect my leaders because they're keeping watch over my soul. They pray for my soul. They pray for my protection. They love me. I'm the sheep and they're the shepherd. They're in close proximity to me. They're, they're keeping me on target. So what's my response to my leaders? Follow orders. Do what they say. Because they're looking after my soul, they're my leaders. Next, I need to listen to his men or his brothers. Referring to, in us in our lives, listening to the men in our lives that are the men that God has put in our lives, the brothers that are in our lives. Ephesians 4, 15 to 16 and 25, it said, Instead of speaking truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. We again have this picture of this closeness, this proximity, that when we listen to his men, when we listen to the people in our lives, that we're close enough to hear what's going on. You know, um, I will use this illustration every now and then um, when, I'm, when I'm speaking to men, I'll take a guy from the audience that I know and I'll, I'll pull him so closely and I'll give this illustration that when he's so close to me, I know what's going on in his life. I can feel the tension in his life. I can feel the frustration in his life. We are, we're so close in proximity just by nature of our natural conversation. I know the stuff that's stressing him out. I mean, so much so that I can, I can smell him. I can, I can smell what's permeating off of them, right? And I can listen. I can listen to what's going on in that man's life. And he can listen to what's going on in me. I can mentor him or he can mentor me. And we can counsel each other. We can be close and we can grow with one another. But we got to be close enough to listen. We got to be close enough to hear what's going on. Shut off everything else. Shut off all the noise that's going on around us and listen to what's going on to God's men in our life. And listen, listen to the need. So we listen to his men. And my, what's my response is to be close enough to listen and to act on what you hear. Be close enough in proximity to listen and then to act on what you hear. Just like in the beginning of this, I said that we're supposed to listen to God, right? We're supposed to listen and respond to what we hear. So I need to listen to his men, brothers. Next, I need to listen to all truth. I need to listen to all truth. In parentheses there, it says, all truth is God's truth. John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to me except through the Father. He's the truth. He is the truth. When you have the truth, you knock out the lies. When, when, when we are living true lives, we, when we are living in the truth, 
We're living in a way that we were designed to be. When we are reading and studying and praying and meditating on his truths and we're taking on the characteristics of his truth, that we are living in a way that we are designed to be, that we're, we're effective, we're, an effi- we're efficient, we're going over obstacles more, more efficiently. I've shared with you a handful of stories that I'm an aspiring mediocre cyclist. And when I picture this idea of something being true, I think of a, of a wheel, the wheel of a bicycle. When, when the wheel of a bicycle gets out of balance, it is, it's crooked. It's much like your tires on your car. Um, they get out of balance. You go have your t- tires balance. You take a bicycle tire to a mechanic and he trues it. So I bought a prop with me today. I bought a bicycle tire. And when this tire is true, it's straight. It operates efficiently and effectively. It operates in a manner by which it's designed. It goes over obstacles more effectively. It cuts through space and time more effectively. It eliminates the amount of drag that this tire creates on the road. It's balance. And each of these spokes create tension on either side so that it's true, so that it's straight. And it just takes one little complication. There's all these spokes on this tire, all these spokes on this wheel. One of these spokes comes loose or even breaks. It's almost devastating the tire. It it can't function appropriately. But when it's true, it functions the way it's supposed to function. When we listen to the truths of Jesus, when we live out the truths of Jesus, We live out the life we were designed to be. We cover ground more efficiently. We go over obstacles more efficiently. And we move in the manner by which we are designed. John 3, 19 to 21 says, This is the verdict. The light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly seen that they we have done, that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. When we live in his truths, right? when we live in his truths, we are designed the way we're supposed to be, operating in the manner which we are supposed to be. So, I need to listen to all truths. And what's my response is I need to live in those truths. I need to to pray in those truths. I need to memorize those truths. I need to meditate. I need to respond in those truths. I need to be a doer of his words in the moment, right now, because I see the prize at the end. So the title of today's message is listening and responding. And there is an expectation that we would respond. There's an expectation that we would respond personally and we response in action. But there's an expectation of that after we listen to God. Matthew 7, 24 to 27 says, These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock, Rain poured down, the river flooded, and tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into the life, 
You're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach when the storm rolled in and the waves came up. It collapsed like a house of cards. This picture of when we take this advice, the difference between building our life on something solid versus building our life on the sand. In Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 14, it says, Now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No, the word is very near to you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart so that you may obey it. It's right here. He's saying, you don't have to cross the ocean. You don't have to go out of heaven. It's within arm's reach. It's with, within arm's reach. The, the truths, his words, his spirit, and we should respond to it. And this last passage here, John 13, 17 says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed to do them. It doesn't say you will be blessed if you talk about them. You will be blessed to, to join a small group and discuss them, to read a book, write a dissertation on them. It says you will be blessed if you do them. So we got to listen and we got to respond. At the bottom of the handout, there's two questions. And I give you a scale to rate yourself between 1 and 10. How am I listening to God's voice? If you have the handout in front of you, I want you to think about that and rate yourself. Rate yourself honestly and share your rating with, with one of your partners. And then after you rate yourself on listening to God's voice, how am I responding to God's voice? So lots of things to think about as we create these habits in our life. God has his mind on what our habits are. Our habits are a reflection of our life. And when we have good spiritual discipline, it creates focus. And when we're focused, we can be at peace regardless of the environment that we're in. As I stated earlier, we can even be in battle. But when we have clear direction and healthy habits, because we have an eye on the prize, we can run with perseverance the race set out before us, fixing our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the habits that were provided for us through your word. I pray that we would listen to those habits and we would create healthy habits. For the men that are listening right now that don't know what that looks like, I pray that the word they've gotten today gives them some direction, that they would shut off the noise and that they would listen to you. They'd listen to your word. They'd listen to your spirit. They'd listen to the body of Christ. They'd listen to their leaders. They'd listen to the men in their lives. And they would listen to your truth. Because it's that truth that they will experience freedom. Lord, we thank you for today. And we love you. And all God's men said, amen. Thank you very much. I hope you have a great day. And I hope you develop some good habits.